Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Football and Grits. Today is Monday, November 14th. We got a lot to get to. We've got a, a resurgent Auburn program and some interesting questions about what to do with their future. We have Tennessee's path to the playoff, which has opened up a little bit thanks to some uh, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, and a- A&M in Kentucky, Brody, it's not going well down there. Not. But first... Brody, we have an SEC championship uh, officially lined up. LSU versus Georgia, which also means, Brody, that we will be crossing paths in Atlanta. We may need to have an in-person football grits episode. Can't wait. Uh, unfortunately, we may have to do it late Saturday because I have to get on a plane Sunday morning and fly to Charlotte and present the Nagurski Trophy, which is actually very fun. What a humble brag. Well, no, last year it was very interesting. Last year I had to just sit up there and look pretty while uh, Heather Dinich, one of the greats, got to do all the talking and present yes. the award. But you basically spend the day with, like, the nominees and, like, the coach. So, like, Shane Beamer last year was hanging out, and then Will Anderson and Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, a delightful person. Fantastic I kid. It. Uh, I think uh, one of my favorite notes from last year is he was asking us advice because – he wanted to buy his mom a Peloton for Christmas, but his mom was his financial advisor, or his financial manager, <laughs> and he didn't know how to get $2,000 or something out of that his account. He's like, he's like, what do you think I should do uh, with his like NAL money? It was fantastic. Anyway, uh, so I got to go to do that Sunday, or fly down there Sunday, and then I'll work Sunday, and then the, the banquet stuff is Monday night. It's very fun, um, and uh, it's, it's pretty cool, um, but Brody... We got to do. We got to do a. Uh, we have a, to. An yeah, this is our moment. Grits. We have. We to. are an SEC show, and it'll be the SEC title game. This is our Super Bowl. Yeah, we exactly. Gotta play it up. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, Brody. Maybe I don't love. Grits, how, by the way. Yes, I gotta say I don't love how LSU matches up with Georgia. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Call me crazy. I don't know. I, I think the quarterback run game. Uh, I, I feel like Georgia can shut that down. Uh, relatively, I wouldn't say easily, but I feel like they can eliminate that. Yeah. And I don't know that, that Jay Daniels has the accuracy uh, to to stretch the field and be as be the quarterback that he needs to be um, to push them. LSU, it'll be interesting, the matchup on the other side of the ball. Um, that will obviously, be pretty good. Yeah. LSU has reached the point now where limit Harold Perkins is like task number one uh, for LSU's defense. But Unreal. we won't go too deep down the rabbit hole, Brody, but what's your first feel of LSU's chances in to, to win their first SEC title since the long, long time ago of 2019? Well, yeah, for, I think you kind of hit it overall. I generally agree that like, yeah, they're, they're going to, I think uh, Colin Wilson of the action network, while I, does great work. I think put it at 15 point projection. Like they're not going to have a good chance in this game. And I think you're right. that like, Georgia is one of the team's best designed to 
stop their offense, right? It's mm-hmm. like LSU's going to – their receivers, right? The whole, like, storyline of their growth offensively is Jaden Daniels finally started trusting these receivers in one-on-ones. And they're going to beat every other team they play probably in those one-on-ones. Don't know if they're going to be Georgia's corners in those one-on-ones. A Don't lot of teams run into that. I think I think that, that sounds Tennessee, a lot like yeah. what Tennessee was saying. Exactly. <laughs> I still generally – I mean, I guess just by by nature of of playing up front, Alabama probably has the best chance to go toe to toe with them, just because these yeah. games are decided on the line of scrimmage. Um, I would like to be. I'd I'd be intrigued if we get it to see a Tennessee Georgia rematch. Um, yeah, you know, in the uh, uh, you know in the playoff, if they get to play indoors or something like that, I'd be intrigued to see that again and see what adjustments Georgia makes what adjustments Tennessee makes um, because you just don't know how that's going to play out. You know, I think everybody thought they knew what was going to happen in the SC championship last year. Oh, the Alabama reckoning is coming. They've been skating all season. They're going to get smacked by Georgia. That did not happen. Uh, (laughs) Uh, And, and then of course you got the rematch. Georgia made some adjustments and, and Georgia got a little bit more exotic. They were pretty simple in that game and and got torched by Bama. And it's an interesting um, prospect, but either way, uh, people have been counting out this LSU team all year, yeah. and if they, you know, I think for the next what two weeks they're going to yeah. hear it again. LSU's got no shot. LSU can't beat this Georgia team, and maybe that's true, but maybe it's not, bro. <laughs> well, and the not. thing is, it's like LSU. I think yeah, Saturday's game against Arkansas probably proved ever like just reminded you like this isn't like a great team. Like you know, the offense really struggled against Barry Odom's scheme, and like mm-hmm. that's not a. In a, like if you if you view this correctly, LSU fans, like that's a good thing. If let me frame this, like because this it proves to you what they're doing is so impressive. Like this team is by default has a ceiling. Like there is a limit to what they can do, and they're just finding ways to win through coaching, through t- honestly toughness. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like they keep getting better in second halves, all that stuff. Like they win every tough situation. Like be happy about that, and honestly, just add some context, like. It's almost like shouldn't be glossed over. Like LSU won the West, and it's 2019 to a lot of people is such like a meteor uh, that like it almost doesn't get added into the context and almost like shouldn't, right? Like it stands out so weirdly from the last 12 years of LSU football. It was just like, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't get counted in. And if you take that out, LSU hasn't won the West since 2011. Like as much as in our brains, LSU's always. I did not know that. Right, yeah. like in our head, it's always one of the better programs, and it is. But it's been a tier below clearly for about eleven years, other than twenty nine. Like twenty nineteen, almost like distracted us from the fact that Les Mile LSU hadn't won, hasn't won ten games in a regular season since other than nineteen since twenty twelve. Like that's kind of jarring, and the fact that Brian Kelly is, if the, assuming they beat A and M and UAB, mm-hmm. will be ten and two year one with like we keep saying probably the worst roster he'll have. It is just kind of jarring, and it's like LSU's going to lose this game. Most likely, will lose this game, and we're all, I think, accepting of that. But like, let's just LSU fans should just take a moment and be like, "Holy crap! You just won the West, the consensus normally toughest division in all of football." Mm-hmm. Brody, is there? Uh, you're more in tune with the LSU fan base. Is there an element of looking back at that 2019 year and being like? Why couldn't we do this every year from no. like 11 to 18 when they had OBJ <laughs> oh, yeah. and all these freaks and, 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 you know, and they're struggling to get across the 50 yard line in a national championship yeah. game and halfway bringing about the playoff era. 
uh, with yes. the ugly game that just makes America furious? <laughs> no, that 2019 in so many ways was just like vindication for every LSU fan and, and most of us, right, who were just like, this is one of the five most talented teams every single year. If you can just put a functional, modernized scheme, this team should be a juggernaut. And you literally, and granted, Joe Burrow's a different thing, but the rest mm-hmm. of it, it's like, yeah, you literally saw it. You, we talked about two weeks ago, I think. This isn't like, oh, that 2019 team wasn't some like, holy crap scheme. They just finally modernized and they just manhandled people. And I think it was just that was evidence of that to a lot of people that like, see, I've been telling you. And <laughs> I was that I was that person. I'd watch a lot of less miles. I'd watch a lot of that. And I'd be like, boy, this team is really good, but they should be a lot better. Like that was Absolutely. just like LSU for like six years. <laughs> it's true. And then like even 2020, it was like that wasn't a great team. But those first three games with Miles Brennan, they were averaging like 550 yards a game or something. You know, they were going yeah. off again. And then like. The program just kind of got screwed from there playing true freshman quarterbacks. And Jake Peets was a pretty bad OC hire. And it was just like, and I think this year, even though it's not a great offense, is kind of proving that same theory again. Like, man, these, these weapons should just be able to do stuff. Like, why can't you figure it out? And I think that's why next year there's probably a lot of reason to be like, this offense should be humming next year. Yeah, I think it'll be um, – uh, I think that's a big reason why this LSU team is so jarring to me because yeah. I'm so used to LSU being like, ah, y'all should be giving people a little bit more. And this yes. team it feels like it's just banging its head against its ceiling every single week. It's the like, best way to put this it. Is the best pers- this is the best possible version of this team. And also, dead accurate. Yeah, I, I feel bad for the A and M fans listening because they've been just trying and trying. And Jimbo, the excuse for a lot of time, well, we got to give him time. He's still, you know, Bama's in the division. It's hard. Yep. Ooh, great point. Ah, and here comes Brian Kelly uh, with a guess- roster that had thirty-nine scholarship players in the Texas Bowl eight ten months ago. Who I guess now is underpaid. <laughs> yeah, so wait, let's give another fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, BK's agent is going to clip this and, and end up getting him an extension after the year. See, even the, the host of football and grants is saying my guy's underpaid, clearly. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a jarring thing. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be yeah. a fun game. And, you know, we've it's seen a this LSU team again. Yeah, we've seen this LSU team. I I feel like they have the ability to maybe ugly it up a little bit. I was that's maybe right maybe it's it, a yeah. 2017 kind of game. Because um, they do see probably that. match up well on the other side, right? Like I think, think so. I think like, so. And I think they got the bodies. Um, they have the bodies. Like Harold Perkins was put on this earth to probably cover tight ends, right? Like yeah. that's probably like what he is designed to do. And that's only one of them. So I don't know and we've mentioned is. it on this show in the past, Brody, but we've, we glossed over it in recent weeks. Yeah. People still forget that this team lost in probably an all American in week one in Mason Smith. True. Like it's that, the biggest that, bummer. Like it really a, is just as a viewer. Like it wouldn't change their season really. I don't think, but probably like not. just as a football nerd, right? It's like yeah. this defense is so fun. And Mason Smith probably would have been, yeah. I think he probably would have been the best. Jalen Carter and him would have been the best two D yes. tackles in the country. And if he and if he is on the floor on the field against Georgia, if they could slow down Georgia's defense or, off the, or slow yeah. down Georgia's offense, take away the running game, he'd be the biggest reason why, and that would give them a great shot. In this imagine game. that defense if like BJ because Perkins is now the guy you have to worry about, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you have Mason Smith and now BJ Jalari's the third guy you have to like worry about. That's, that's ridiculous that's man. really great right that that front almost <laughs> like it's up there but obviously we can all play the what if game but just kind of yeah. crazy 
Well, Brody, uh, that matchup is certain. What is less certain, but slightly more certain than it was a week ago, the playoff picture. You know, the Vols. I. It's been a it's been a complicated conversation because I will I will tweet things or write things about Tennessee's playoff hopes, and I think just because Tennessee has not been in this picture for a long time and has not been paying attention to how the committee works. There's a swath of people who don't necessarily sort of get like how important different things are. Top 25 wins are massive. It's much more important margin of victory. The committee doesn't really care. The committee sort of views wins as like convincing or unconvincing. Yeah. Like Like if you're TCU and you're having to come back from double digit deficits all the time, you're going to get ding. That's why TCU is in this position that they are. If you beat a team by 20 versus 40, they don't really care. It's not that big of a deal. So top 25 wins matter. So, you know, you're sitting there. Kentucky losing was not good for Tennessee. And then the Pac-12 does what the Pac-12 does, which is cannibalize itself like it does every single year. Washington goes and beats Oregon at Autzen. Incredible, incredible game. Such a good Uh, game. That game delivered. So now Oregon, who I did think Oregon – uh, if they went all the way, I thought Oregon was going to get in over uh, over Tennessee. Uh, yeah, fair. Not not happen anymore. UCLA was probably a tweener. I thought maybe a one loss UCLA that was a Pac-12 champion, but pro- I think it'd be close between them and Tennessee. Not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, they lost to Arizona. Uh, Jaden Delora, absolute chaos agent, uh, but a fantastic game. I did step and watch that. I have not watched as much Pac-12 football as I would have liked uh, having an interview. Oh, I know this you. is sacrilege on this show, but Pac-12 is just good now. It went from like yeah, literally, I don't ever want to watch fun. a Pac-12 game to like, I want to watch Washington State play, I don't know, like Arizona. Like, I don't, it's, mm-hmm. it's what a time, but continue. The, uh, yeah, the, the influx of quarterback talent and good coaches has done a lot to the Pac-12. Yeah. Uh, that has really enhanced them. But anyway, um, this is not uh, football and salmon, so we'll get back to it. <laughs> yeah. You had that quick. That was good. That was solid. I like that. Anyway. Uh, John uh, is writing in his notes right now, like football and salmon. That's our new Yeah, show. exactly. Uh, now, USC, I just don't think USC has the wins. And regardless of USC's resume, Oof. I don't think USC is going to get to the finish line. I really don't. Well, I don't think um, they get to the finish line is the key, but I do think they would probably get in, right? Like. I it's it would be close, but the good news for Tennessee now is yeah. that y- your path is a lot a lot wider now. TCU, we'll see if they get to the finish line. They've got Baylor. Uh, they do still have the Big Twelve Championship game against yeah. TBD. That will be a tough game for them. And TCU is Florida. TCU is good, but they are not dominant. Yeah. TCU undefeated. Obviously, we'll get in against. Uh, we'll get in over Tennessee. TCU with one loss, even as a Big Twelve champion, no shot nope. to get in over Tennessee. Um, so you know Georgia's there. Now, the Ohio State-Michigan factor will be a little bit complicated. I'm going to write about this later this week, yeah. sort of breaking down every team that still has a shot for the playoff. There's like eight teams, I think, eight or nine, that still have a reasonable shot. Now, if you're Michigan and you lose close in Columbus, uh, that you got a shot. Yeah. Now, if you're Ohio State – It's tough because neither team has like any other good wins. <clears throat> yeah, other it's than true. Penn State. So it's just anyway, like tough. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're Ohio State, even if it's close, if you lose at home, your loss is at home, you don't have a lot of great wins. Yeah, I think you're out. You don't have a division championship. You don't have a a conference championship. I I think if Michigan loses close, they will probably stay above Tennessee 
Now, it mm. might get a little weird. It might but get a tennis, little weird when but, they start matching up. But to up your point, the wins matter. Like, it's yes. not even comparable. Like, Tennessee's – I like, I might even agree with you that Michigan is under – like, would deserve it. But, like, Tennessee's wins are – it's like 5-1 to one if you're ranking, like, good wins. I agree with you. Yeah. But at this point, what the committee does is, is, is what the committee does. And I think we have seven and a half years of data that they do seem to really appreciate teams that are dominant. Now – Dominant doesn't necessarily have to mean 100 points, but it means you're not flirting. You don't need anything crazy to survive. Yeah. Now, Tennessee, I think, the, I think the committee, for better or worse, is going to look at them and say, okay, Michigan's schedule is terrible, but how you play matters and who you play mm-hmm. also matters. And Tennessee needed a little bit of magic to get out of pit. They you went really to Florida. think they dinged for pit? Yes, I do. I think wow, not, I'm deferring to you. Dinged, you have more experience with this. Not but. dinged, but just it, it, when they look at it, it, doesn't really, I don't think it matters all that much because I think the, the question for Tennessee is going to be, um, you know, more so them versus the Pac-12 champion if USC gets there. Yes. Because you know Georgia's going to be that number one spot. If Tennessee gets in, they'll probably get bumped to number three because they aren't going to want Tennessee Georgia in the first round. Good call. Yeah. So whatever happens, they're going to they're going to shuffle that around for matchup six. So they'll probably play the number two seed. So yeah. good news for Tennessee because that's you know they're we'll see what that matchup is because I think Tennessee matches up pretty well with Michigan. I think they match up really badly with Ohio State. Probably fair. Yeah. Uh, that secondary in Ohio State I think could feast on them, but Michigan. Yeah. I have some questions about, you know, I think Tennessee can hold up against their run game really well. But anyway, Tennessee fans for Michigan. Either way, so Tennessee fans right now, all you basically need is a TCU loss, and that almost guarantees you a spot, basically. Uh, I I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then a USC loss probably does the Pac-12 in. And even if USC runs the table, I think it's going to be close. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm actually at a point of, like, and I'm deferring to you, you have more experience with this and, like, learning about the committee, but – I'm almost assuming Tennessee is more likely than not to be in. Like, oh, I, I, yes, they are. Okay, I okay. would say it's like 60% at this point. That sounds about Before right. last week, I would have said 45, 50%, something like that, because I, I kind of thought this might happen to the Pac-12 yeah. because I, I've watched a good amount of Oregon, a good amount of UCLA, good teams, but flawed teams. You saw their defense. Uh, yeah. I mean, these are not – I wouldn't say one-dimensional teams, but certainly beatable teams. Nobody is terrified of, of Oregon or uh, – yeah. I thought they were gettable, and sure mm-hmm. enough, they were uh, against a pretty average to bad Arizona team. Bad yeah. but fun, I will say. They're, Arizona is really fun this year. No, yeah, they're, I like what they're headed, but yeah. Anyway, uh, and so Tennessee's in a really, really good spot right now. Um, and at this point, you're just looking to better your odds, um, which are already pretty good. Um, and so you got to feel pretty good if you're Tennessee. Um, but the, the SEC is sitting here, sitting pretty Tennessee's got South Carolina and Vanderbilt. They're 21-point favorites this week. Uh, Vanderbilt, I just don't think, has the dudes to beat them, although maybe Kentucky would disagree. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the Cats here in a second. Um, but uh, the SEC is sitting pretty to get two teams in again. Can I go further? Like Again, this is not – we both do not think LSU is winning that game. I know. We agree. But say they win, and let's assume – let's say USC loses. Mm-hmm. Isn't three SEC teams suddenly likely? Uh, it's definitely it's never happened, so it'd be really tough. But like, I feel like that'd be fifty percent or something. Like, if that happens, because LSU would have been stuck in this. Hey, you have two losses, but like, look at all these other good contenders. All of mm-hmm. a sudden, that's been cleared out a little bit, and it's like I don't know how you don't one put the SEC title team, but two, 
a team that like would have had four of the best wins consecutive mm-hmm. and hasn't lost since September, like or early October. Like Georgia's getting in. That's I think the fair to say Georgia's just in no matter what at this point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just and Tennessee has a better resume than LSU overall. So it's like yeah. three is not out of the question, and that is bonkers because it still hasn't happened. But yes, to your point, yeah, I think LSU's firmly sitting pretty at two teams like it looks pretty mm-hmm. good and i think the odds would probably put it that those two teams are two of the three most likely teams to win at all like if you're being really honest with yourself like well you're sitting in, there you're sitting there too again Ohio State's i would very not flawed. take i would not take tennessee against ohio state i think i'd take tennessee against michigan i put it's ironic because i think michigan's better than ohio I state completely agree i think michigan but is I better think than the ohio matchup state is different. Like, yeah. i think michigan matches up really well against against ohio state uh and I, I, I couldn't agree so, more. So if so if Michigan wins that game, you're sitting there and you're saying we might get an All SEC National Championship for the second year in a row, which is just third a hilarious time in what prospect. five years? Yeah, six yeah. years. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I have to say, Georgia Tennessee was the most watched game of the of the yep. of the uh, season so far. I think it would do good numbers again. I think people would be intrigued. Yeah, I don't think it would be a again. boredom thing because the boredom also comes from i see wow. alabama and georgia play each other every year i or i see lsu and alabama play each other literally every year like there's no fatigue with this really this is still new to people so i think yeah people think so. are in love with watching this tennessee team well and, and yeah and they're fun power. like those yeah. like the 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 infamous alabama lsu game in 11 no one wanted like, to watch that again yeah. i don't want to see that like first of all we already saw it and Two of those teams were not fun. They were not fun to watch. Like that was the Alabama like death machine, like the 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 peak Saban, yes. like you know before the offensive revolution. Like those were not fun teams. They just like would sit there and they just be four hundred pounds just sitting on top of you for <laughs> sixty so, minutes. That's perfect. And yeah. then they would just run the ball and then they would beat everyone. You know, thirty one ten and move on to the next one. And it's just like I don't the people don't want to watch that Tennessee Georgia. I think people still would like to see that. And I think it would because, be an and I think there's something to on a neutral field absolutely. and indoors. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a great point, actually. Yeah. And also, like, even Georgia is still – it's not new to people, but it's still, like, it's not some established power that's just been ruining the world for 10 years and you're sick of it. It's just like, okay, they're mm-hmm. still, like, kind of new. It's like, oh, cool, a new dynasty. And I think people – there's still the part of the brain that wants that, I think. And I think I, – I so, again, like, for Tennessee fans, I was I was very intrigued because – like the so I went to watch the evening games for about half of them at a sports bar, and so I was with some uh, some some reporter friends, and uh, I the Tennessee fans that were there were totally ignoring Texas and TCU and rooting hard against Georgia, and they, every time Mississippi Ooh. State was doing something, I was like. I was kind of looking around and I was like, do you not know? <laughs> I, I know. I, I was kind of like, y'all should be paying way more attention. Yeah. Y'all should be like the biggest Texas. It's the SEC in the world though, man. Right Your now. hatred still wins. Like it's I not guess, about rationality. But I think that the playoff era, just I've said it before. I'll say it again. The playoff era makes for strange bedfellows. You have to root for weird teams <laughs> yes. because basically in the playoff era, every team that you beat, you need them to win out. Every oh, team that you true, beat, yeah. you need the, every team that you beat. Their your your resume is attached to them, yep. and so if they go off a cliff, that hurts you. If they have a huge like Tennessee, nobody thought LSU was going to do this when Tennessee rolled them. That's nope. been huge for Tennessee, for them to beat LSU, not only to beat them, but beat them in the way that they did and where That's they right. did, um, and do that, and and come away. And now LSU is on fire, 
You've got to win over the SEC West champion by four touchdowns on their home field. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good win. So, yeah. you know, uh, you're, you're sitting there and, and you got to wonder, hey, there's an adjustment here. But maybe if Tennessee is hanging around the playoff for longer, they'll sort of get with it a bit uh, because <laughs> yeah. I get it. But, you know, Tennessee needed some help on Saturday. They got some. They got some help. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Brody, what is happening at Auburn University right now? Sell me on it, baby. It is something I I don't know that I've seen before. Uh, and I think if you haven't paid close enough attention to what's happening there, it's not just that Auburn beat AM. That's nice. They yeah. won the game. Yeah. You need a win as a proof of concept. But uh, I, I'm a big vibes guy, uh, oh, yeah. Brody. The vibes at Auburn for the last year, year and a half, have been just awful. Uh, obviously, you had Apathy. the offseason stuff, a um, bunch of players leave. You hear the kind of allegations of mistreatment from the players. Then you pile on with the sort of lies and really unfair stuff about Brian Harson and his family. But still. And even just on top vibes, of that, just vibes of Brian Harson was just never. Yeah, it was very boring. It was very boring as all that stuff. It was just not not a good situation. I did the Auburn State of the Program, and part of what we do is, is talk to um, coaches that know them and kind of talk to them about their situation. Most of the coaches I've talked to, unimpressed. One coach that I talked to used the term dead man walking with Brian Harson, and this was in like – I think this was in like June, and it was pretty obvious. I didn't even think that was a hot take. I think it was just like the reality, yep. and sure enough, the first chance – well, I say the first chance. When they got a, enough chances, <laughs> Auburn let Brian Harson walk. And the cleansing fire that has come over Auburn. So they beat Texas A&M. And I think you saw shades of it last week. We kind of mentioned that Cadillac had done some things. They played really hard. Um, But if you did not see Cadillac's post-game interview with the great Cole Kublik, who, by the way, another Auburn guy, he played for the program, he understands the program. You need to hear what what Cadillac was saying. And not only hear it, but watch him. Here's Cadillac after the game on Saturday after beating the Aggies. Thank you for your support and attendance. How does that feel? Football, all glory go to God. God is good. I'm so appreciative of this Auburn family. We need fans. They showed up and showed out, man. The energy. The atmosphere here. Man, I, I, just, I just think I'm so appreciative for this institution. I'm forever indebted to it. I love serving these young men, man. It's coaching staff. It's bigger than me. It's just not my show, man. We we are together. We family. So 
I'm excited. One and one. One and one. You mentioned the energy. You mentioned the passion. Jordan was talking about in the broadcast. We were in a timeline. He's like, look at the Auburn sideline right now. These guys lost five straight games. It looks like they're playing for an SEC West title. The fans in the stands, how did you do it? How did you inject this kind of life into this football team? Serve. Discipline. Believe. These kids. These staff. I mean, people around the building, the Auburn family. And these kids just need a little love. Need to be loved on with the discipline. They need to know it's okay to make mistakes. They gonna fall, but us coaches gonna be there to pick them back up. And regardless, we got their back. They had to open their heart. And that's all they did, to be honest with you. Coach, what's next for this football team? Western Kentucky. Like, we get look. We got two more games. So we gonna enjoy this for the night. We gonna flush it. And man, we gonna we gonna prepare, man. We 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 enjoying the journey together. <laughs> like we writing our history and what we want this 2022 team to be like, man. We gonna finish. We gonna do what we do. Unreal. I got a hole. I got it. now. I got to call a repair man because I got a hole in my drywall over here right through it. And uh, the timing of Swag <laughs> Surfing like escalating right yeah. is like it was unbelievable. That is so cool. So, listen, I do think hiring Cadillac full time is crazy. Yeah, I just don't think it's that crazy. I think Walk that there is it. a, I think there is a path where you can do this um, and keep these vibes. Now, one. Having a head coach that the players obviously respond to and will listen to and want to play for and want to run through a wall for, that that means something. And having that guy be the figurehead of your program, I say figurehead not as an insult, but just like that that's the guy who's the face of your program. Obviously, you need a lot of help. This is a guy that has been in coaching four years. He was in the Alliance before that. Um, I'm not saying that you – have to do that or that you need to do that i think certainly whoever comes on has to retain him but if there's a path where you have caddy as your head coach you bring in some very expensive very good coordinators similar to what arkansas did with barry odom kendall bryles and you have this guy that's your sort of culture guy your program guy you bring in an associate head coach who knows more about the nuts and bolts of kind of how to run a program and you just let caddy be caddy and and let it roll I've heard crazier ideas. I'm just saying. I, I don't think I would do it. I think you have to retain him, whoever comes on. I don't think I would do it. But, man, if they keep this rolling, and then, of course, we'll see what happens with, with Bama, I think you have to you, you have to think about it. The Bama game is where it kind of all hinges, I think. If you get embarrassed in that game, then it kind of you kind of let the air out of the balloon. Yeah. Well, shoot, Man, SP they... Plus has them as a dog against Western Kentucky. I hate to like be the bearer of bummer <laughs> news, but it's a bummer. Yeah, but, but you it... can see how guys respond to him, and I think what you've seen from them in the locker room, from the players, they won some games last year, Brody. They won some games this oh, yeah. year. You did not see that out of these guys, and I, I, I you know, I, I just think there are not a lot of head coaches that players respond to like that, and I think. It's something that that is not the craziest idea. It can't be worse, Brody. Let's say that. The, no. that, the guy that they just hired, it just did not work for a million different reasons. Yeah. How I'm crazy just, is this? Am I insane? 
you're not insane, but you can't do it, right? And but to your point, like I think there's an argument to be made Cadillac would be a better hire than Brian Harson, like even like with our 2020 brain, like you know what I'm saying? Like even even before we knew how bad it would go, I think you could convince me that version of me the Cadillac now would be better than Brian Harson then. And well, like, I think I think if I could put on my Ari Washerman hat for a second, <laughs> it was very clear that Brian Harson did not understand like talent the accumulation of talent, talent acquisition business. Yes, it's about coaching. Yes, it's about X's and O's. College football is about talent acquisition. What can you do to get guys? Yeah. And I he just never seemed to understand that. Every, like, listen, what I was sitting there, I, I texted, I actually texted Ari after this because yeah. I said, Ari, you'll be happy to know I was in Kirby Smart's press conference after <laughs> the Tennessee win. What was Kirby Smart talking about, Brody? He was talking about recruiting. He Kirby. said, Hey, this atmosphere. It's going to get us some more guys, an incredible recruiting <laughs> atmosphere. We're going to get some more guys that are going to be on this field two years from now helping us win games. Yeah. That's the mindset you have to have. This is why Dan Nolan got fired. Now, does Caddy yeah. have that? I don't know. We'll see. So, I can see how if he shows up in the living room, he does. But Brian Harson did not get that. you got to have a coach that understands that. Yeah, and just to like – again, I don't think you can, but again – have have you ever in your entire life seen a crowd like that for a three win football team going in? I have game? not. Like the vibes even outside the stadium before you keep saying vibes and that's dead on. Like and you saw it last week too about the way everyone was rallying and all that. But but this, like the way Jordan Hare before the game, it was just rocking. It was like they thought they were playing, like like Cole said, it looked like they thought they were playing for the SEC West. And it's like that is a charisma and an energy being brought that is just jarring. It's un- like, I can't think of any comp ever about just like an interim, just being like, Hey, everyone in this state, you believe again, even though you have no reason to believe, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, and also I think it's worth saying, like we've been around this a bit. There are so many times with an interim like this, you have your antenna up for like opportunism and like this kind of cynical, like I'm about to rally everyone around me on a PR tour. There is none of that in there. Like that is yeah. so those answers are so like ingrained in his bones. Like these guys, like I love them. <laughs> it is so if he's fake, give him an Oscar because that's incredible. Because <laughs> nothing about it is. But I think there's yeah, there's there's like an element of he loves Auburn and he clearly loves the kids. And yeah. that will get you a long way in this business because there's a lot of coaches that that don't yeah. care about the school and don't care about the kids, and it shows it's all them. Yep. Now, unfortunately though. It's just maybe even if this was a different time, maybe if this was like I'm trying to think of enough like Florida replacing Dan Mullen, you know, like maybe that would work. You can't get this wrong right now if you're offering. Like this is so specific to the situation. You just cannot do it because one, this program has especially with Oklahoma and Texas joining, there is a risk of this program like losing its place you know really losing its place in the foothold of college football i'm not saying like you're there i'm not being dramatic but like you can't mess this up and you need some and yeah you wrote this well in your piece this morning like one one you point out your own rule like don't hire a coach that no one else in the conference is actually trying would hire and Mm -hmm. no one else would probably hire cadillac williams Mm -hmm. and you need vision right now you need like even it's never just as simple as recruiting as you point out it's it's vision it's the ability to be like i need this infrastructure here's my plan here's what i'm gonna do and i just cadillac's not there yet right like it's just reality of course he's not he shouldn't be no one would be and Mm -hmm. i love i love the idea if they make the right hire 
He's your number two or whatever you want to get title you want to give him. He learns. And then, I don't know, by 2024, give that guy like a really good G5 job. And I bet that guy is going to thrive. And I want to see him like really rise up the ranks. He's awesome. And he's going to mm-hmm. do big things. It's just naive to put him there because you need, even if it's the the Dion types that like, hey, man, I got questions. Like you need somebody who really is going to elevate the energy, not just the energy, but the plan recruiting and all that of this program. You just can't take a risk right now like that. Obama win complicates it, Brody. Because Dude, I imagine if that game was in Jordan Hare. It's such a bummer <laughs> oh, that it's not because it would have been the best. <laughs> I would have skipped the LSU A&M and gone to that game. I think I would have considered, actually, if I thought if the Iron Bowl was in Auburn because I, I, I would have thought been about all it. all-time but... Iron, Iron Bowl. Like, unreal. Yeah. And now it probably won't be. But still, like uh, – If he yeah. wins in Tuscaloosa, man, that – it gets you're gonna have a revolt on your hands if they don't hire him. Like certainly he'd be retained at that point. You yes. know, obviously depending on that's a question. If you bring in coaches to interview, that has to be. Yeah. By the way, you noticed John Cohen was standing right behind him in that interview, right? Yeah, I saw him. <laughs> athletic director, of course. Uh, uh, Auburn's brand new athletic director. Yes. Um, so you know, well, it's a fascinating situation to watch. I have not seen a program flip like that. Like. You kind of see some juice. And, and I will say, it's gone bad before. I think the most famous example to me, you know, the late Bill Stewart at West Virginia. I one. mean, I think the the infamous leave no doubt speech before they ran Oklahoma off the field in that, I want to say it was the, was it the Sugar Bowl? I forget. I so. But it was after, you know, Rich Rod so. leaves and, and everybody's really down on the program. But the vibes were good. They were just yep. a really good team that was really mad about Rich Rod leaving. Auburn... I, we said this, they haven't been a disaster at any point this year. They've just been kind no. of bad. Um, but they, I think the, the you know, playing hard. I, just, I know this is risky. I know it. I, I don't even, I don't think I would even do it. It goes bad. I'm just more pointing than it out that there's well. a path. There's, yeah, I do agree. I think the yeah. odds that it goes bad are, are more likely than it goes good. But the path to doing it, because you don't have to pay him a lot. I said yeah. he shouldn't do the job for free, but he might do it for free. Like, but spend spend all your money on coordinators and yep. then bring in like Lincoln Riley brought in Ruffin McNeil um, when he was yep. really early on in Oklahoma, something like that. And the plan in seventeen for Ogeron was it was supposed to be Lane Kiffin and Dave Aranda, and then mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like Saban kind of found a way to make sure <laughs> Lane got a head coaching job instead. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that was the plan, and that would have worked, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just, see. I, I, man, I will say though, Auburn, it's got to be nice to have some hope because right, it just has been it. it has been bleak for a while there, and so props to Auburn. Uh, it does mean a lot there. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brody, uh, on the opposite end of the vibe spectrum, we got to start with the Aggies, I guess, right? Yeah. It's just the tough because, like, we what else can we say? Except it just keeps getting worse than we thought it could. And that's what's so scary. But, like, six-game losing streak. Unbelievable. I First know they've time... had injuries. I know the flu stuff has come up. That, that's been a big part of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they probably don't – like, I don't know if they lose that Florida game. But still, it doesn't matter. At the end like, of the day, though, you're – you're last in the SEC West. And they're like the fifth team ever to be preseason top six and miss a bowl. Yes. And there's still two games to go. Like <laughs> history is first, being made, my friend. They're the first SEC team to officially be eliminated from a bowl. That I just. Oh my God. Yeah, it is. It's hard to believe. It's hard. And when believe. it's this bad, and it's like, this is repeating stuff we've been talking about for six weeks, eight weeks more. But well, like, I will say the way that it's breaking now. That's I think thing. certainly Jimbo, if it was just like, seven and five again then jimbo maybe doesn't have to do the whole offensive now you don't have you can't get out from under jimbo but i think you're gonna see a staff overhaul no question you have to. to your point that you brought up all by the way Catherine b our good friend points out a flu wasn't around for mississippi state that flu, was bad. flu was not around for app state and you were that's absolutely so correct, Catherine. <laughs> it's it's your point that you brought up so long ago it's the leverage thing right like before you talk every week about they have zero leverage it i think they have leverage now not leverage to literally fire but it is jumped the shark so far on the Jimbo thing. It is I think now Jimbo like, has to see it. Even if Jimbo, yeah, as, you, sell, as headstrong as he is, like any other coach, and as I can fix this, I just got to grab the handlebars even tighter. And by the way, I stand by, sure like, enough. they probably could get the money. I feel confident they could get the money. And I feel they really they, wanted to. I I'm not, but to, like, <laughs> bear with me. Like, and I feel confident they even, like, are crazy enough to do it. But I think, but that kind, I like, I wonder, and we'll never know probably, do they get evidence they have the money and just bring it to Jimbo and be like, hey, man, we can do this. <laughs> like, they're not going to, but, like, we can do it. Like, we have the ability. We have billionaires, man. But, like, so you got to change. And I, I just wonder if the leverage has finally shifted and the decommits that we've already talked about. And that's been the thing we've talked about every week, right? It's like, it's not just about how this year is because, yeah, in theory, they should be good next year. It's the fact that this could unravel, that the portal might get hit, that you, your current classes might get hit, and you're already starting to see that, man. And the vibes are just getting so worse that I can't imagine a five star wanting to join it because it's yeah. so messy. They got to hold. I think that that those changes are how you hold together the portal too, because you can sell something to those guys. True, that's a good point. Okay, you're sure. And also, good a good hire. Someone, but... A good hire sometimes brings their own guys too. Like a lot of yeah. good stuff can happen, but it's like the thing that has to have you so scared though is like if you have this much talent. And it's getting this much worse each week. Like it is mm-hmm. just free fall. There's something so institutionally wrong. It is not even, you can't even, we spent the first half that you're being like, this is the offensive scheme being a joke. It's past that, man. Like it is something is truly wrong there. And that's scary. 
Yeah, I will say, you know, endowments are not the best, uh, the best measure because the endowments get complicated. But I think people yes. don't understand how much money is in the oil schools in Texas. It like, if you look at the schools with the biggest endowments, it's like Yale, Harvard, Texas, Texas A and M. Like, like. <laughs> Stand, it's, it's like crazy. It's ridiculous. They can get like, any coach in the world they want. Like that yeah. is the actual reality. And every sport, by the way, like I believe they have, they put the most money toward college baseball now. It used to always be LSU, and now it's like Texas A&M, like, Stadium is super nice, and so is A&M. Yes. Yeah. Like I got Jim Schlossnagel from uh, from TCU. TCU. Like that, you don't, you're not supposed to be able to get that guy. Like mm-hmm. it's it's wild how much money they have to be able to get Buzz Williams. I know it's not like the sexiest thing, but like they can get whoever they want, and they can fire whoever they want. And again, I'm not. <laughs> Not like literally sitting here talking about firing Jimbo Fisher, but it's just I just keep repeating like I think the leverage is maybe finally shifting. And yeah, I don't know that they'll need it because so I, I who would you like them to hire? Years. I'm just curious. This is, I don't expect. Well, to have so an I was having this conversation too because I was talking Throw to some of our colleagues last night about my Cadillac take, and they're like, "Well, but there's not a lot of like hotshot coordinators out there um, that you can go it get." Be a hotshot. There's a lot of yeah. good coordinators. Uh, I'd have to look. You put me on the spots. I'd have to look and see. It's an unfair question. Yes. Yeah, I'd have to look and see what like, what, what that the best like. hire ever, honestly, would be like. Well, it depends. Like, let me okay, actually, better question for you. Do you want them to go Tennessee offense route? Or do you even just want them to go a better like a uh, Jeff Grimes like type? Not literally, but like Yeah, I think I, I Jeff Jeff Grimes is Baylor's OC. I'm trying to wonder. Yeah, I'm trying to wonder if AM is too prideful to go embrace the Baylor offense because they really hated Baylor back in the day. Uh, by the way, I do love that both names I just mentioned are both Baylor connected. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, somewhat. But Jeff Grimes is part of the Baylor program, not the Baylor offense. Yes, true. So, yeah. <laughs> which that I've always referred to that offense as the power spread. It doesn't really have a name like Bryles. Oh, I really completely. Point. It's like it's how I felt about Dan Mullins' old Mississippi State teams too. Yeah, Bryles never really put a name that he would call it, but it's kind well. Of what was the famous term Mike Malarkey called the Tennessee offense? Smash mouth spread. Yeah, something that like didn't that. really work, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm skeptical. So the combination of one, um, especially with Jimbo uh, and his pedigree, the the Baylor offense has a very checkered history with translating to the NFL. Uh, if you talk to coaches about it, it's like becoming fluent in French and then going to Japan for, you know, the next year. <laughs> like yeah. it, it doesn't do you that much good in terms of the next level there. There's a lot of guys that have been drafted very highly out of this offense and have very, have struggled a lot. Uh, like if you look at the best receivers that have come out of that, you know, Terrence Williams, Corey Coleman, all those guys, they haven't gone great because uh, it doesn't really translate just the way that they run routes. Their route tree is a lot more simple. Anyway. So you're saying like, we're well, I wonder if I think, yeah. yeah. So I think A&M might say, okay. well, I don't know that we want to go that route, um, but we'll see. Um, but I, I, you know, there's a lot. Oh, of- can we also just say like, it's just worth mentioning, like as much as we talk about the offense and yeah, A&M being 82nd and SP plus offense is insane. They're only 29th in defense too. The like, defense has been pretty good. The defense, but no, but that's not great. Up. That's not what it should be. Like, well, but 29. the defensive line is held up. They're young. They were rebuilt. They rebuilt Fair. their entire defensive saying, line. Like, it's all that. And I just think it's Johnson's more. Played well. I think it's. I, even... I think, yeah, they'll. They'll. I mean, I think part of that does SP plus adjust for field position for defensive ratings. I, oh, I think so, big time. Yeah, it's I like think one you're of their probably right. Things. Yeah. So we'll. See. I, you'd have to look. I. I and. Uh, you know, the defense hadn't been as good as I think you thought they might be, but they were rebuilding. Ultimately. You're right. I just wanted to throw now, that out there, but you are correct. Yes. 
we should move on to Kentucky, Brody. Yes, because that's actually more like I'm because I'm tired of talking about it. That's now that's that. an interesting situation. Um, because it's never good when the head coach has to uh, very quickly uh, uh, clarify something he said in the post game. <laughs> so they asked him if he was considering making offensive this. staff adjustments in, in the post game, and he said, No, we're not doing that. But he was under the impression, or the, I, I didn't hear the question live, but he was under the impression that they were talking about midseason, which wouldn't do you a whole lot of good, right? Now. So then he then clarified so then he went they back, might make a coaching change. He went back and said, well, you know, they were talking about in the season. I'm not going to do that because it's not working. I think it starts with the offensive line for them. Yeah. Uh, from uh, our, our pro football focus friends, right now, Kentucky, 117th in pressure rate, 11th in the SEC. That's very bad. <laughs> now, I, we've talked about the Will Levis hate. He has not been good. The decision-making has been bad. Yeah. I think certainly the pressure that he's under is a big part of that. Um, decision making is bad, but even the accuracy, he's not looked good. And he talked after the game, talking about wanting to be more of a leader. He felt like there's not a lot of investment, uh, and and guys aren't invested the same way when they play a team like Vanderbilt with the attention to details that they are when they play a team like Georgia, who, by the way, Kentucky has this week, I believe, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, boy, if their offensive line was struggling like that against Vanderbilt. That's very bad news for them yeah. about Georgia's defensive front. There's this guy named Jalen Carter. And by the way, remember what Ole Miss did to him? Ole Miss defense <laughs> doesn't look like that. Yeah. And I don't I, – I, I will listen to people who want to make the case that Jalen Carter is the best player in the country. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but he's probably – He's in the uh, conversation. On the short list of uh, best total football players. I, I think with Kentucky – it's not so much the scheme. I, I think they were they were replacing three offensive linemen, including uh, two NFL tackles. Um, so you had a lot of issues there. They have not fixed that. The offensive line has been bad. Uh, schematically, they get guys open. They've got some pieces. You know, Barry on Brown. You got to make sure that you're re-recruiting him because yep. if I'm Barry on Brown, I'm looking around and I'm saying, I don't love this. Will Levis is leaving. You know, what, what's the situation, you know, behind him? What do we want to do there? Uh, Beyond Brown, you got to re-recruit, I think, a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Tavion Robinson. They got some pieces. I like the scheme, obviously. But if the offensive line, I mean, you can only call what you can block. And Kentucky can't really block anything right now. So you don't, you're not really having yourself a chance. So I'm, I'm, I think this week radicalized me against Will Levis a little bit. Where, like, I think I I've got, been there for a few I weeks. I got yeah. all of the, all of the, all of the, the the question marks and all the skepticism and all the like, oh, this guy sucks. How is anybody gonna give him a first round pick? Like, I get that, but I was still like, I don't know, man. He makes some pretty crazy throws. Yeah. The arm. I was count, a big believer for a while. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. At some point, the decision making and the accuracy, the accuracy has just not been there this year. Um, I need to get our, I need to get his on target rate from this year's That'd last good, year. Yeah. I feel like and it's like, probably falling off. You know their quarterback. I want like the way Will Levis plays. Almost feel, this might be so dumb. Almost feels like the way I feel when I'm watching Texas A&M's offense. Not literally, but like you know there are guys who like they make amazing throws, but you feel like they're not like the most catchable balls all the time. Like it's like yeah, not, there's an element of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not articulating it right, but it's not like the most catchable ball kind of thing. Like and and I guess touch is really what I'm looking for. I don't know, but yeah, I mean we are reaching a point where it's just like. And this, I, I need to preface this with, 
eight, seven and five probably is what they finish, right? Seven and five being your holy crap, things are a bad year is evidence of like the what the reason they need a statue for Mark Stoops and all that. Like mm-hmm. it's unreal. Like seven wins at Kentucky, normal. I mean, seven wins got him a contract extension like six years ago, right? Yeah. Like let's let's chill, but still. And also, offensive line is something that like sometimes you just don't have in a good O line one year, and like. Kentucky you get a pass like for that right sometimes. now. Yeah, I, like I, I mean, I, yeah, I think that's not a pass, but the fact I think you, you hit on something are. like the fact that they're sitting there at seven and five and people are disappointed is, I think, says it, something. It does. But the question we got to start wondering though, and I'm be, like, this is hot takey, and I apologize, but like, <laughs> bring it on. I've got the no, just, not like here. Bare, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> but. Every coach has a breaking point. Like, do we wonder if Mark Stoops, like, this is just getting closer and closer to, like, does he start feeling the ceiling more and more? Like, it's – like, we all – Andy and Ari and you and me both, I think, all on the same thing of, like, Kentucky's the best job in the country in a lot of ways because you win eight games and you get the statue. Like, you are happy. You are good. And that's all accurate. I believe that. But there does come a point when you're, like, 10 years of hitting a ceiling that you know is just built in. Do you have a breaking point? Like, well, do you this, consider? Well, I think yes, but for two, for for somewhat of that reason. But I think also there's frustrations him... with him in NIL. I know with like yes. Kentucky. Oh, you were we can say, say NIL if we'd like to. I will call it collectives. Uh, <laughs> the sport is changing. The game yes. is changing, and Kentucky is not a school that you hear about on the forefront, at least in the nope. football program on the forefront of. That's why John Cohen just left Mississippi State? It's a problem, and if you can't get your collective cooking and get a pretty nice little war chest, it's going to get harder for you. Yeah. And I don't think Mark Soups wants to sit around and start losing some of these recruiting battles that he's been winning in Ohio and with some of the other schools um, and, and trying to fight that uphill battle. And then the players start getting worse. As You know, they've recruited – Kentucky's recruiting has yeah. been really peaking. Just because they're not the top game, five, people don't talk about it. They exactly. recruit well. Yeah. And then as the game changes, well, now your players start getting worse, and then you start getting worse, and people start thinking you're a worse coach. Yep. No. Maybe so – I wonder – I think for a lot of times, you know, for, you know, the fuel for college football was, was unleaded and now we're kind of switching to diesel. And if you're still putting in unleaded fuel, your analogy game has been on a heater. <laughs> I was going to say, it. Cap, sir. like if, if your school refuses to fill up your diesel tank and you're still trying to go with unleaded, you're going to have a problem. Like no, you're going to yeah. have issues. It's a, and we're not changing like, sport. We're not trying to like sit here being like, make a headline. This podcast says Mark Stoops wants to leave, but <laughs> it's just, it makes you wonder. Like, ev- like again, yeah. we just saw Brian Kelly leave and uh, for Notre Dame for LSU, and it's not the same thing at all. But like, there, it's just human nature. As much as you can say, man, this is the perfect job, there is human nature that you eventually at a point combined with the collective thing we're talking about. Of like, it's just hard. It's hard to be like, I kind of want to prove I can do it somewhere else. And also there's other life things factor in too. But like, I just wonder if he starts looking at some other things. And there's an element too of if Mark Stoops sort of uh, says his agent to put some feelers out there, it's going to be real receptive. There's going to be a lot of places that I don't know how real it was, as you know, but like he was in a lot of, you know, it's fake agent BS, all that, but like, and Scott Woodward BS too, probably, but like he was the, the, the other name out there is like the fall, not the what's the right word, the backup plan for LSU. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it might have been completely fake, but like, with the fact that it's out there, what does yeah. that mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, the Jimmy Sexton was cool with letting that out there. You just wonder, that's all. Yeah. Well, shout out to Vanderbilt, though. We should give them their flowers. We should, we should, we should listen. I, yes, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed watching Clark Lee after the game. 
uh, he was getting choked up as well. Big week for post game. Uh, Huge week uh, for choked interviews. up coaches. Yes. <laughs> you know what gets me going, man? You know what get, it's it's watching mat, super hyper masculine middle aged men who coach <laughs> football get choked up. That's my yes, vibe. exactly. But I think when you you just I, I I felt it for Clark Lee because listen, Vanderbilt's working just as hard as everybody else. Yep. Like they obviously the talent issues and, and all the things that make it very hard to succeed at Vanderbilt for eternity. They're working just as hard as everybody else. And the results have not been there. So when you can go into not only so not only did you break a 26 game SEC losing streak, but you go on the road and then you go and beat a ranked team on the road. I was just I was happy for Vanderbilt, man. I, I think it's uh, a, a huge moment for them, um, and, and and congrats to that program for for breaking well, through. And yeah, we don't need to go. We can wrap up shortly. But like, I would. It just comes to a point. We what do we always like? Our theme on this show is like, or my obnoxious theme is like infrastructure, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not gonna buy a program that's getting the flashy stuff at the top. I'm gonna buy a program more that's like feels like something's building on the inside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're not winning a ton of games. They're not a good team. They're like 88th and SP plus, which I think is a step up, by the way. But it's like they have like seven games this year that they lost that they're in on, right? Like they had Wake Forest a little close at one point. They uh had Ole Miss like genuinely competitive for a while they had missouri lose by three they had south carolina on the ropes and they beat kentucky i mean I, i'm looking up at the chart right now like sp plus their average projection was 16.6 like net, like they were supposed to lose by an average of 16.6 points every game and mm-hmm. it's actually been eight points which i like that's not that's double that's half. That's like they that's the stuff that's building blocks for the future so man like i'm all in not all in mm-hmm. pump breaks but like yeah <laughs> i believe in clark lee's take that they're gonna be the best sec east champions 20 well, what did he say at media days yeah, so like, gonna be the best program like maybe i'm yeah. in on that what yeah. if i made that my hot like my weird art like re with recruiting is just me saying but mine is just Vanderbilt. <laughs> Listen, I will title. say, having read having read pete sampson's all access to the eastern yes. or to the east really uh if you didn't read that story I came away from that thinking, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy, this could go bad in a hurry. And the fact that we're sitting here two years later, and you saw at the end of 2021, they were really getting competitive there at the end. They've had some rough moments in 2022, but I'm mm-hmm. happy for them to break through. And and Clark Lee, uh, the comparisons to Cadillac are not great, but he certainly does understand the program and yeah. does love the program, and I think that matters. So absolutely, Brody, we have some reckoning with our picks. Uh, I hit my bonus pick, which seemed like the easiest pick of the week. Bama on the road, getting two touchdowns to Ole Miss was insane. And they almost lost that game. Um, yes. So uh, we hit that one. But my actual pick of the week, I'm going to I'm gonna throw the flag on this because we got a defensive score. We got some special team scores. Wait, are to, you going to try to claim the Mississippi no, State? No, no. but Because they should have lost by 40. <laughs> Well, but I had the under in that game, and oh, you get... took under. My bad. Well, okay. Yes. My bad. Yes. They had the un- I had the under. They're I getting cooked by Lad McConkey, which I gotta tell you, if if somebody named Lad McConkey came in and started just absolutely roasting me, and there's nothing I could do about it, that's got to be a tough place to be. Because but... not just because you don't think that guy should be good, but also there's like <laughs> you hear a guy named Lad McConkey, he's probably you know a bit of a waspy brat, and he's gonna make you feel. Bad. You have to assume a member. <laughs> Future that guy's at a country current, club. Future or current member of British Parliament, but no. We're an Ole Miss baseball player. One of the two, yes. yes. Uh, and you're getting cooked by him. And uh, I'm not so sure he's not uh, Florida's, or Georgia's best receiver. So, Oh, God, yeah. I'm uh, ready to say it. Yeah. And so 
I, 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 listen, I feel good about the pick, but sometimes good picks lose. Uh, yes. So it is what it is. This week, Brody. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tempt fate a little bit. Ooh, I'm gonna tempt do. fate. Stunning. And I'm gonna say that I don't think that South Carolina is gonna be able to slow down Tennessee <laughs> as much as we would think. Now, Tennessee, here's the thing: Tennessee on the road this year has not been great. LSU is kind of the only real um, uh, 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 anomaly in that group, mm-hmm. but. Don't think Tennessee is going to lose, win that game by less than 21 and a half points. So give me Tennessee minus 21 and a half to go on the road, hang another 50 burger, and give up like 20. <laughs> so I, yeah. I like Tennessee big in this one. Okay. I like it. So I'm in a tough spot because I think I faded Auburn like four times and I think I've been wrong every <laughs> single time, especially last week, obviously. Yes. And just for I had AM. My pick of last week was AM against Auburn, I believe. A a a worthwhile roast from producer John on Brody's AM pick. I thought it was crazy. John thought it was crazy. That AM team going on the road anywhere. I and uh I hey had, man, I, I'm a big believer that like 90% of betting is figuring out what a team's floor actually is. And I didn't think <laughs> And I'm like, no, okay, we hadn't found the floor yet. You think you've found it? There is no not, floor for this Aggies You have team not right found now. it. So, yes. So, I don't think I'll bet. Even the Western Kentucky plus six and a half, I love. Western Kentucky is a tough, good, exciting, explosive team. Like, I love I will offense. say one last I'm point to Brody. Brody, if you had known that AM would suspend a receiver for wearing sleeves, would you have rescinded that pick? <laughs> Maybe yes, because just, again, vibes, man. This is a vibes podcast. Vibes. Like, the Terrible. vibes are not Terrible. good on that. <laughs> okay. This is... I'm really struggling. I don't have one I love this week. But, man, I keep – again, we're talking about bottoms. I kind of love Kentucky 20, plus 23 at home. I'm going to – like – because just because Georgia – Kentucky tends to, like oh – man, I don't know. I have to look back at their past. It's a buy-low spot on Kentucky. Kentucky's it's a buy-low spot. 23 is crazy. They is, make games ugly. Like, yeah. The question with Kentucky is are you, are you buying low on them that they're better than this, or is Kentucky just broken? That's because thing, part of yeah. me, part of me scared. wonders if Tennessee might have broken Kentucky. They really, really might be like that because I do think that's a real thing. I think teams breaking teams. Like I think the worst I, case I we ever saw, ironically, they were talking about on this show. I believe was Jimbo's last year at Florida State when Ooh. they when Florida State played Bama in that first game and they hurt uh, DeAndre Francois. Johnson. I want to say or who was who was the quarterback? Francois. Uh, DeAndre Francois. That's right. <laughs> And that team just never recovered from that. I do think there's an element of teams breaking other teams. And I, I wonder if Tennessee did some of that to Kentucky. Okay. But maybe not. No, I, I, I actually think you're right. I can't do it. All right, I'm going to do Arkansas <laughs> plus three. I think I found a plus three out there. Arkansas like plus three pick. against Ole Miss I do at not home. like that pick. Okay. Is, well, is KJ going to play? Yeah, probably. I would guess. It seemed like he was close last week. If he plays, yeah. I'm gonna, I like the plus three, man. At okay. home. I'm still not the biggest Ole Miss guy, even though they've proven me wrong to a big extent. <laughs> I don't know. What no, but no, do. but here's the other factor in this, man. Like, I know we'll wrap up. Like, Ole Miss is like on four consecutive tough games. That compounds, man. Uh, yeah. So, I'm gonna, I like Arkansas plus three. Let's have fun with That's that. a good point. I'll give you that. That's real. Uh, fatigue is real. When and KJ Jefferson is a fatigue machine. Dude, KJ. By the way, by the way, let's just say it. Arkansas wins that game with KJ Jefferson this week against LSU. Yeah, I agree. Like, that's I a agree. real. Real thing. Also, mm-hmm. we got robbed of Harold Perkins because Harold Perkins would have been spying no matter what, right? His whole role was QB spy. We got robbed of Harold Perkins trying to tackle like KJ Jefferson <laughs> and who wins that. 
That is why we watch football is that, and we got robbed. But it's we that, did get to watch it's it. That gift, it's that gift from Godzilla of the guy staring off into the sunset. It's like, <laughs> let them fight. <laughs> Harold Perkins versus KJ Jefferson. Ugh, I want to see that. But oh, we did man. get to watch him chase the fastest quarterback in like the SEC. I couldn't believe he caught Malik Hornsby. Like, Three times like Malik, from a four-yard gap. Like That's the one thing Malik Hornsby does really, really well is he's uncatchable. But apparently, I watched not. it like, I over and over it. again to be like <laughs> – was it like, you know, sometimes you're running as a quarterback, but you're not running, running. Yeah. And at least two of them, he was running, running. Like he was mm-hmm. sprinting. And I'm just like, someone, I think Andy said it was like watching Predator. And it's like, that's exactly what it <laughs> felt like. And yeah. We could do Perkins other time, but yeah. So yeah. I, I'm going to go Arkansas. I did, by the way, in the wake of the release of Prey, I watched uh, the original Predator and Predator I'm 2 due. for the first time uh, in like, uh, for the first time, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. They hold up. Good movies. I believe it. I'm uh, due for a rewatch. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Football and Salmon. So thank you guys uh, for, for joining in. Uh, this is the worst week of the season when we're used to big old like clashes, and then yeah. we get tossed into uh, New Mexico State and you know smaller teams. Uh, this yeah. is the, the SEC's unofficial oft-criticized bye week, uh, rightfully yes. so, I must say. Uh, but yeah. – we got an SEC championship looming. Uh, we got some good teams, and the playoff race will be fascinating. USC UCLA this week will be very relevant to the Vols. Uh, Tennessee, don't worry about what anybody else in the SEC is doing. Go root for Baylor. Go root for UCLA. That's the most important thing for your for your hopes. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys for listening. Um, Aggies, Wildcats, keep your heads up. Uh, Auburn, Godspeed to you because Caddy's coming. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week.